Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. You're the king of kings. You're the king who reigns. You're the all-sufficient God. Who is I like unto you, O Lord God? Among the gods, who is like unto you? You're glorious in holiness. You're fearful in praises. You're the God who does wonders. And we just bow down before you today, Lord God. We worship your divine majesty. We proclaim your goodness. We proclaim your loving kindness. We say, Lord God, you're a good God. You're a loving Father. We say, Lord God, we, we, we rejoice that we belong to you. Thank you, Father, because nothing can separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you because you are Emmanuel, the God who is always there. We rejoice, Lord God, that we belong to you. And Lord God, we thank you even for all that you do for us. As we approach your word, Father God, we pray that this word may be to us the word of life. May our lives be honoring to you, O God. May we produce fruit of good living to the glory of your name. We give you praise, O God. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May I ask the stewards to please uh, give out the uh, special offering envelopes, the fancy colored ones, now uh, to everybody. Uh, so that um, later on we won't uh, need to take time for that and uh, Gabriel will be talking about it in due course. Well, good afternoon, uh, 2.30 service. It's good to be back. And today I'm going to be speaking on the subject of integrity of the eyes. A few weeks back I spoke on, the, on financial integrity and I, I offered a definition of integrity. And I'm going back to that definition today just to kind of situate us and focus us on the, on the topic. It talks about an undivided or unbroken completeness or totality, wanting nothing. It talks about um, uncompromising and adherence to a strict moral or ethical code and principles the state of being unimpaired, soundness of moral character, uh, the, that is consistency and freedom from corruption. So that's the kind of eyes we're looking at. Uh, eyes that are full of honor and virtue and goodness and righteousness and, and purity, morality, probity, rectitude, truthfulness, you know, everything, all the ETs that you have out there, you know, as opposed to uh, corruption, dishonesty, immorality, uh, duplicity. Uh, the, the verse of scripture that actually uh, struck me and I feel that I'm going to spend some time on this afternoon is the one in Matthew 6.22. And it describes the eye as the light of the body. I'm going to just read that verse to us. Uh, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, then your whole body shall be full of light. So um, this verse suggests that there are your, your, there's a possibility of you having two kinds of eye. Your eye can either be uh, single, or maybe it can be different. You know, if, if you read the verse, 
the, the verse that follows, it says, but if your eye is, is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So we want to be sure that the light that is in us, that is in our eye, is, 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 is full of light. Our, the kind of eye that we have is full of light. Um, the, the eye actually is, is the thing that discovers our surroundings and directs what we do. Uh, and we, we need the, the, the eye to be able to function. I dare say people who, who are visually challenged can function, but they'll be limited because they would not be able to, to see their surroundings and, and they have to make their choices in a different way. Uh, <clears throat> there, there are three possible ways of looking at the eye, the, the, the way in which it is used in scripture, uh, and, and as suggested by this uh, quotation from uh, the words of our Lord. It talks about the eye that is single, that is a, 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 the eye that is free, that is simple, that is sincere. You know, that, that, is the, that kind of suggests our general disposition, you know, the way in which we, we, had, we, we interact with our environment, our disposition generally would either be positive, that we are, we're, we're pure and undefiled before God, you know, um, free from evil, free from covetousness and envy. Uh, but if, if, if once, once this disposition was full of darkness, then the whole kind of conversation that somebody would bring would be totally unchristian, would be full of uh, evil, and, and um, it, it would be devilish and corrupt and worldly. So, it, so it's a kind of disposition where, whereby you're either disposed towards the things of God or, or disposed towards the things of evil. That kind of person is a person that's described in, uh, in, in the book of Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7, who, who, doesn't, who, 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 who gives willingly, not grudgingly. Jesus talked about that kind of person who lays treasure in heaven, you know, not looking at the things of the earth. The, the eye also can be described as um, the understanding that is the way in which we conceive of things and the kind of judgment that we, we take on, 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 on issues. Uh, you know, and in that sense, the eye is the kind of guide to the body, directing the motions. And, and in that way, if, if you have a, a good eye, you'll be making good choices. You, you'll be laying up treasures for yourself in heaven it will guide you to the right kinds of relationships and right kind of actions in, in your day-to-day -day existence. Your, your life will be full of grace and, and uh, you, 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 would, you would not be um, inclined towards what is corrupt or evil. Um, then, of course, you have the third kind of way of looking at the eye, which, which actually talks about our aims, our intentions, our, our, the goals that we set ourselves, you know, and, and in that sense, what are we aiming for? What are we shooting for? Where do, where do we want to go? What do we keep in view? 
the, 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 the kind of singleness of heart that Jesus talked about in this verse uh, suggests the direction in which we fix our lives. What are we aiming at? Uh, how are we going towards, towards our aim? Are we seeking for the glory of God? Or are we seeking the glory of, our, of man, our own glory? Are we seeking favor of man? Or are we concentrating on the things that we can have? Or are we, are we looking at Christ? Are we able to stay with Paul? To me, for me to live is Christ. Uh, and to die is gain. You know, those kind, that, that's, that, that kind of way of looking at the eye talks about our general aim, the, where we are going. And, and I can ask us a question today, where are you going and where is your eye placed? Are you looking at the things of the earth, the things that the, uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that are temporal? Or are you fixing your, your eyes on things that are eternal? Are you looking at the end of the journey? Because um, this, uh, this earth is not the end of it. I remember an equation that Pastor Colin used some time ago in, the, uh, in an encounter in, uh, and where he, he did an equation and talked about how long we've got to live on the earth. Maybe you've got 70, 80, 90, 100 years if, you, if, if, the, if, the, if the Lord gives you grace, you know. And, and then weigh that on top of eternity. And then he put at the bottom. So he did an equation, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100, and then uh, put a line under it uh, as an equation and then put, you know, what is eternity? Is that 1,000 years, 2,000 years? a million years, and they added more zeros, and, you know, a billion years, and, and then to say that, you know, it's, it's world without end. And then, so, if, if, we're, if we're going to be looking at what should concern us, the things to which we should pay attention, we should obviously be paying attention to the things that concern eternity. And therefore, the, the short span of time that we live on this earth is so little, compared to eternity, that we cannot afford to lose eternity and, 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 uh, because of things that happen on, or, or in, in the earth. <clears throat> I, I want to look at some other references to the eye in the Bible. And my search actually showed that a lot of the times that the Bible talks about the eye, there is a lot of negative reference to the eye. And... There, there, are the, 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 there, there are occasions where the Bible talks about evil desires, the eye that is never dissatisfied. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 27 verse 28, it says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. So you look at something, and you're not satisfied with it, you want more of it, and you continue looking. You know, no matter how terrible it is, sometimes you find yourself sitting in front of a television set, and the program you're watching is not particularly nice. There, there, could, be, there could be violence on it, there could be sexual undertones, undercurrents there, and you, you, you're, not, you're not particularly enjoying it, but, you, you, want, but you, you say to yourself, I want to see what happens. I want to see what, what actually happened in the end. I know it's not good. I don't want that kind of a thing. I'm a Christian. I don't, you know, that's not my style. But, but I want to know what happens. You know, you, you're never satisfied. Then uh, in Job 24, 15 says, The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight. 
saying, no eye will see me, and he disguises his face. It reminds me of when uh, one of my daughters was young, and she used to suck her thumb. And um, so you say, oh, take your, take your finger out of your mouth. So she would close her eyes in the, in the thought that I can't, because, because she can't see me, therefore I can't see her, you know. But how many of you know that we cannot hide from God? No matter where, where we are hiding, God, God sees us. And so um, the, we, the, the adulterer thinks that because he's doing it at night, nobody is seeing him, but God sees him. And you remember what Jesus Christ said about, um, about looking at a woman. Says, See, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I don't know whether this was mentioned last week, but there is adultery of the heart. Are you following me? There is adultery of the heart. Nobody knows, at least no human being may know, that you're committing adultery of the heart, but God knows. You know, and God knows. So, you know, so you cannot hide. You may say, well, nobody sees me that I'm, 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 I'm lustfully looking. At, at something that I'm not supposed to look at, but the, the, the eyes of the Lord sees it, and God is not pleased with that kind of way of looking. Um, and, and Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 to 22, for from within and out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, etc. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So if, if your eye is not single, you can, be, you can be defiled by the things that you look at. And, and the, 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 the lust of the eyes, I find that is one of the terrible things. One of the terrible, there are three terrible things that are referred to in the Bible. That, uh, the areas that the enemy would cause a, a person to fall. And, and it's one of them. First uh, John 2.16 says, so All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's of the world. So those are the three areas of the world where a, a person can be made to fall, and the lust of the eyes is, is one of them. This is it's very, very serious, because it, it is the eye that leads the rest of the body to other things. And the Bible also talks about the offending eye. It talks about if your, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish, and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. So Jesus is saying that it is possible for your eye to be the offending factor. I know that you could say, it's not my fault. The, the program was just there. I just walked into the room. But you're not obliged to, to, you're not obliged to watch it. There is a remote button so to turn it off, or indeed change the channel, or you can even turn, you know, or you can even literally walk out of the room, or you can say, "Oh, she walked into the room, and you know, she was half dressed, and I was half half of her top." And what, what was I supposed to do? You're supposed to turn away, you know, uh, because you're, because you're, if your eye is going to cause you to lose the fellowship with God, then what God, Jesus Christ asked us to do violence with ourselves, that to the point of even having to pluck it out. Maybe, maybe we will not physically pluck the eye out. Jesus is asking us to do something dramatic, 
something, something strong, something that would really tear us away from it because our very relationship with God is, is in jeopardy. And uh, there's, a, there's something that Job said. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think of a maid? And I believe that this is what the Lord is calling upon, calling all Christians to do, to make a covenant with their eyes. The covenant that we make is that I am not going to be using the eyes that God has given me to do anything that does not honor him. Bible says in Romans 12, that we say, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the, unto the Lord. So you, your, 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 body, your eye is part of your body. And we need to present that eye, our eyes, before the Lord uh, as a living sacrifice. As long as we're watching something that is not honoring to God, we, we cannot say that we are glorifying God. You know, you, 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 as long as you're, you're concentrating your attention on something that displeases God, we're not, we're not presenting ourselves as living sacrifice before God. And that was why Job said he's made a covenant with his eye. That is, okay, you eye, you are allowed to look at things that glorify God. You have the opportunity of, of receiving the sunshine into your life, looking at the beautiful trees, looking at things that are beautiful. You know, Bible talks about whatever is beautiful, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is virtuous, if there be praise, if there be, if there, if there, if there be any praise, think on this and meditate on this thing. These are the kinds of things we should, should be looking at, not as, not as things that do not glorify God. So, the, the, the Bible is in, in, imploring us not to use our, the, our members as an occasion for sin. The, those who would keep their hearts pure must also make sure that the eyes that are the inlets of our soul, they, they, they are not instruments of uncleanliness. So we do not want to cast roving eyes of adultery. You know, that... The, 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 the roving eyes of adultery, they, they cannot cease from sin. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter 2.14. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. They entice unstable, unstable souls. So when, when you indulge in this kind of heart adultery, you are, you, 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 you are setting yourself up to permanently commit sin to permanently become unstable in your own soul. And may I remind us that the very first sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, was a sin that began with the eye. The woman saw that the fruit was good to, to eat. It was, it, was, it was good to look at. It was good to eat. Because it saw. So we're not supposed to look at the forbidden food, the forbidden wealth, or, 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 or the forbidden wine, or the forbidden woman. Whatever it is that is going to cause us to sleep, we, we are supposed to guard our eyes from these things. The only thing that can enable us to guard our, ourselves is the grace and the fear of God. 
we depend upon the, on the, on the, on the grace of God operating in our lives. And the fear of God would cause us to rest on, on, the, on, 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 on his power to hold us up. Because if we do not fear God in our hearts, we're not going to be able to depend upon his grace. We're not going to call for that grace. And so I, I, wonder, I want to, to, to really remind us of a number of people in the Bible who, who, who had to deal with these kinds of, of, of situations. Unfortunately, um, you know, many of them had great difficulty, great difficulties in, in dealing with their eyes. Joseph, of course, was a star because the, the, there was this, mis, the, the, his, his, his master's mistress, who, who continually went after him, he ran away. You know, he actually physically ran away and left his clothes behind with the woman. That is something violent that he did. Can you imagine somebody just running out of his office and just leaving half his jacket, maybe it was winter, and ran, and ran out saying, oh, goodness, I'm not going to let this, let this woman bring me into trouble. And God justified him in the long run. But unfortunately, uh, Samson could not keep himself. And even though he was a great man, great power, great anointing, he fell because he looked at a woman and, 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 and ran after her. He was, his eye was not single. David, we know the story of David. He was, he was he could, you, could, you could say, well, you know, what business did Bathsheba have having her bath in full view, you know, where somebody could see her? Maybe, maybe she had her own share in the, in this, in the situation. But once you have sinned, you don't need to look back again. I usually tell people, you know, the first look is permitted. But what we do, you see, you, you know, you're going, you're going somebody, you see somebody that's dressed maybe only uh, up to their thighs here. You, you have the first look. Well, the first look is enough. That's the time for you now to start running because you, you don't want to be caught in, in, in the web. But what happens? You see, ah, you know, you go back, ah, ah, this time, not only your, your eyes, but your mouth, your ears, everything is open. You don't want to look more. So that was what happened to David. David, David was, 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 was just strolling on his penthouse and saw Bathsheba. It was the look, and the look that led to a whole lot of other things. That, that's the look of adultery. And, and I, I believe that we, we need to take a, 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 a key from the, you know, some of these emoticons that you get in this uh, social network things. There are some of them that, you know, that actually literally cover their faces. You know, you see those kinds of things, you quickly cover your face and say, no, I have already made a covenant with my eyes, made a covenant before God that I am I'm preserving myself for holy uses. I'm, I'm a dedicated vessel unto God, and therefore I do not touch anything that is impure. I'm putting a hedge around my heart. I'm putting a hedge around my life because I know that I'm a chosen vessel unto God. I know that I'm a royal priesthood. I know that I'm a holy nation that I may show forth the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I know, I know who I am. You know, we sing that song, I know who I am. I know who I am. I, I belong to a holy God. And because I belong to a holy God, I also am holy. 
and therefore I cannot permit anything unholy to touch me. You know, um, in, in, in the present day, unfortunately, there are the, 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 the kinds of, um, I call them attacks that come at, at us as ordinary Christians are so much. The, yesterday, it, there was a piece of news that Tesco uh, was now going to uh, make arrangements such that uh, children will be protected from uh, adult, so-called adult uh, magazine racks. And, and they, they were saying it as if something to, to felicitate Tesco's own. And, but the question I ask myself is, why have them there in the first place? Why, why do we have to protect children? If you did not have them there in the first place, you know, the, 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 the issue of protecting the children would not arise. And unfortunately, magazines, you, you can hardly look at uh, uh, the magazine rack with, without having your eyes bombarded with all these terrible images. And the television, the television sets, you know, there, there are very few programs where the, you do not have sexual content. In fact, I'm sure, uh, I read somewhere that about 66% of, of television programs have, have uh, uh, virtual um, sexual content that are offensive to the eyes. And, and you know, so either pictures of naked women, you'd also get naked men these days. And, and, and the adverts, sometimes, you know, you look some, at some adverts and you want, I wonder, how, why do you have to have, if somebody is, somebody is eating ice cream, why do you have to have a naked woman to eat ice cream? You, you know, I, when, when I see such adverts, it means I, they do not want me to eat their ice cream. <laughs> you know, and, and then there were some other statistics that I, I, I saw that said that, you know, when, when men see, when, when, when men see women, they, 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 they did, a, they did, what they did was they did a study where they, they put the camera on the, on the faces of men when they entered a room. Uh, I think it was it must have been taken in a pub or a party or something. And they, they, they looked at where the men looked on, uh, on, the, on, the, on a woman. And invariably, like 80% was looking at, at the women's, uh, you know, breasts and whatever part, you know, and it was it's just horrible, you know, the kinds of things that people have gotten themselves into, just looking people over. And the shocking part of it is that um, the, 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 the statistics, I've, I've read many, I've, read, I've looked everywhere just to try and prove the statistics I had read were wrong, but I'm sorry, but it says that 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women are addicted to pornography. 50% of Christian men. And actually they said uh, there are 26% of, uh, of Christians who say that uh, they, 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 they look at pornography regularly, every week. And a shocking 91% of those are actually the, the fundamental uh, Christians, that is, people like us who, who believe in the full gospel. I believe that the 10% of those who don't are the ones who come to Kensington Temple. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, uh, 
a, a, look, a look would not be so bad if it did not lead to other things. It, it, it usually leads to vain imaginations and um, it, leads, it leads to lustfulness and, and it, it leads to all kinds of actions that, that destroy the very soul of the person who is given to it. And, you know, when, when, people, when people do those kinds of things, the Bible says that such kinds of impure sinners, they, they have no heritage with God. They have no portion with God. They have no inheritance with God. And they cannot enjoy true happiness because they, the fact that they wallow in that kind of uh, uncleanliness makes them unsuitable, unfit for communion with God. So it means that they, they'll be deprived of grace here and of glory thereafter because it's, it's about being alienated with God and being uh, attached to unclean spirits. And it's a sin that incurs a divine vengeance. So we, we cannot make light of this sin. We cannot make a jest of it. We cannot call it or just, you know, a small thing, a slight matter, because it's, we're talking about the wrath of God. And, and the Bible talks about the wrath of God coming upon the children of disobedience. The, the, these, the, it is these kinds of sexual sins that were practiced by those of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the, the, the punishment that was given to them. Uh, and, and we cannot afford to be eternally separated from God uh, because it's a sin, even though man may not see us do it, it's a sin that is, uh, that is open to the eyes of the God with whom we have to do. So you may ask me, what is the solution? In the book of Revelation, the Bible says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and, and, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. I believe that the time has come for us as Christians to really ask God to help us so that we can have our eyes washed with the knowledge of his truth, knowledge of his grace, knowledge of his love, knowledge of his power to deliver us from evil, knowledge of, of who we are so that we are not giving to these kinds of, of sins. You know, um, when, when, we do, when we refuse to discipline ourselves, it, it means that we are ignoring the consequences of the actions that we are engaged in. And it, sometimes when we, maybe you make a decision, you're not going to do certain things again, you're not going to eat ex, the extra helping of sweets that you can lose weight, uh, you're not going to, uh, you're going to go to the gym, you, you, you're not, you're not, you won't take the bus, you, take, you walk two extra bus stops so you can, you can you know, get fitter. There, there is a price to pay, but the, the, the price we pay is nothing compared with the consequences we, we uh, avoid if we do not pay that price. And I, I really want to challenge every one of us this afternoon that we, we, need, we need to make a covenant with our eyes the same way that Job did. 
because there are great consequences if we do not deal with this insidious epidemic. You know, uh, I know that the whole world is, is concerned at the moment about Ebola, about the, the new uh, strain of Asian flu, but actually pornography is, is a, a, a most insidious epidemic because it is a, a, a sin that can be committed in private. People may not know that you are indulging in it, and, and it is destroying families. Um, I, did, I found out that 50% of divorce cases involve one party in, uh, having an obsessive interest in, in pornographic websites. And according to different studies, the exposure to pornography leads to a diminished trust between intimate couples. And it leads people to think that promiscuity is, 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 is the way of life. That's what, what, what one should do, you know. And, uh, and then people become cynical about love and affection between their, 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 their family members, their, their spouses. And then they, they start to, be, to, be, to begin to think differently from what the Bible thinks. You know, think that marriage is too confining. Uh, and, and in the end, people do, they're not interested in, in, child, uh, in child raising or interested in their family. And we, we as Christians, we have to take a position against those kinds of things. Whether you're married or you're married, you're, you're, you're at risk if you do not take a position because it would cause you to think differently from what the Bible thinks. The, the natural way that the Bible uh, uh, instructs about marriage is for a man to have his own wife. And a man is supposed to satisfy his wife, not satisfy the, the internet pornographic site. And when a man has had time on the internet site, he's not interested in his wife anymore. And it's easier to, to be uh, uh, manipulative on an internet, uh, on an internet uh, site. You don't have to deal with the relational issues that you have to confront with your spouse. And even if you're not married, you're not supposed to commit fornication. Even if you're committing the fornication on the internet, it is still fornication. And not only is it fornication, it's of the kind that is offensive to our Father God. But blessed be the name of the Lord, there is a way out. Um, God has made a way for us to change, and the way is the way of repentance, repentance and discontinuation of that way of, of living. So if you were, you're used to looking at the so-called page three, don't even buy the paper. If you see it lying down, on, lying on the tube, don't touch it. You know, if your eye offended, offend you, pluck it out. That's a way of plucking it out. 
You know, I used to enjoy reading, to watching the program Friends because it's so funny. I, I, like, I like funny, funny situations and, and jokes and so on. And that was why I liked that program. But you know, every other, every other sentence is an, an innuendo to a sexual situation. And it's not even a sexual situation between a husband and wife. It's usually between people that are either cohabiting or expecting to cohabit or to fornicate or something. And, you know, it was just going to mess up my, my spiritual life. And to be quite honest with you, you know, I cannot afford anything to, for anything to come between me and God. You know, my relationship with God, I, I'm not showing sure up, please forgive me if it sounds that way, but my relationship with God is so important to me that I cannot afford it. And I cannot afford anything that, that would cost me eternity. So I see it on the, I, I, it comes up, you know, you switch the channel. Because, you know, if, if you do, if you do if you, because you have the control of, of determining what you see. You know, you, you, you see, you see there's somebody who is always coming and, and tempting you with the with, um, open, open neck dress. Stop talking to them. You, you see, if, they are, if you are in the same office, you see them coming with a coffee, you turn your back and go the other way. <laughs> End of story. You know, we have to protect our, ourselves. We have to protect our mind and, and protect our eyes. And, and, and you have to say to yourself, I have made a covenant with my eyes. These eyes are, are for the glory of God, and I'm not going to be looking at anything. So the, the way out, first of all, is repentance and change. Second is discipleship and accountability. Thank God for the discipleship program we've got in this church. It's important for you to know what the Word of God says concerning any area of your life. You know, um, the, 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 the teaching of the Word and the, the opportunity to pray and interact with God enables us to know the mind of God about any matter and to conform, and to conform ourselves to, to what the Word of God says and to allow the, the power of the Holy Spirit to direct us to do what is honoring and pleasing to God. So we have to, be, to be, put ourselves in a position of discipleship and accountability. Make yourself accountable to somebody you can trust. A friend of yours, you can tell your friend, look, you, you know what? I have been, I've been so taken up with, with watching this program or reading this kind of book or reading that kind of novel. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I enjoy reading them, but even though I know it's wrong, and I, I've made a, a determination of not doing it again. I, and please, can I talk to you about my challenges? So the, the other party would pray with you and help you in, in that direction. You know, we have to be accountable. If you do, if you do not recognize that you've done wrong, you're, you're not going to be able to make yourself accountable. But once you've acknowledged and repented of it, it is, it is very possible for you to be accountable, especially if you're within a, in a, a, a cell uh, group where there, there's the care and, and nurture and, and love of the kind that is provided in this church. And then thirdly, it's to... Choose war as, a, as opposed to dishonor. And I'm going to quickly explain this. You know, at the, at the end of the, um, of the First World War, before the Second World War, there was a situation uh, where uh, Czechoslovakia was, had the option of either going to war 
or, 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 um, or choosing peace. And Churchill was said to have said to them that, look, you have the option of choosing the, the honor of going to war because of the injustice that's been done to your country. Or you, have the, you can also choose the way of peace, but it would be a way of dishonor. And it turned out that Czechoslovakia chose not to go to war. He chose peace, and it may have been laudable to choose peace, but in the long run, the, 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 the war still happened. And so I'm challenging everyone that to choose war, this is war, the Bible says to war against your members. War against, the, the things that war against your members, you should fight them. Fight them with the weapons of God that are not carnal, but are mighty through God. And, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in us, we have the victory. Can I have an amen? We're going to just spend some time to pray. I, I want everyone to just bow down their heads. I would have brought you forward, but I don't know, in this kind of audience, um, you people might be embarrassed or something. And I, I, but I, I really feel that we need to, to go into a place where we would have uh, a heart search and allow God to speak to us, to us deep in our hearts about the things that we have been looking at and to, to choose to have integrity in our, in, our, in our eyes, to choose God, to choose the, the honor and to war against those things that war against our members, to choose to honor God in every area of our lives and particularly with our eyes. And I, I want to ask that if, if you feel convicted by anything that I have said today or even maybe something has been, has been prompted in your, in your heart as I spoke, that you are conscious or that you, you may have done, this is the time to say sorry to God. The Bible says that he who confesses his sin will receive mercy. So if we confess our sins, God is faithful. He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Let me invite you to just, where you are in the, in the quiet of your, of your seat, to, to say to God, God, I recognize myself. I recognize my sin. In, in, in the different areas that have been mentioned, in what I look at, in, in, the, in the programs that I watch, in the, in the things I look at on, on, on the television, on the, on the internet, in, in magazines and, and, and books that I read, even in looking generally at either people of the opposite sex or the same sex, I recognize that I have done wrong in this regard and I have, I have sinned because it was my sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. I recognize my sin today and I want to change and I, I therefore ask for your forgiveness and for your help. I do not want to be a slave to these habits of things that do not honor you that I have been looking at and I ask for your help right now I ask for your cleansing power through the blood of Jesus I ask for your forgiveness 
I ask that the power of these things be broken over my life because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And I commit to make myself accountable to somebody so that I can be totally delivered from this sin. I thank you, Lord God, because there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain of the enemy over my life. And I wait, oh God, for the full manifestation of your grace upon my life. On a day-to-day basis, I depend upon your grace. And I thank you, O Lord God, because you have provided a way of salvation for me. Thank you, Father. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May I just say that if any of this applies to you, if you find yourself that you cannot break free from this, you've been, you've been struggling with it, I believe that the prayer we prayed this afternoon is setting you on the road to freedom. Let me say that it's, it's not an overnight thing, but as you wake up every day and commit yourself to God, God is committed to see that you get a full breakthrough. Let me encourage you to find a friend who would be first somebody you can be accountable to and will help you through the journey. May God bless you.